What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is, well, I don't know what you want to call it. It's late, late Friday night or early, early Saturday. Technically, it's September 22nd, Saturday, Friday night to me. I just got home from doing some gigs here um, this Friday night, which uh, has been nuts. I'm going to talk about that, talk about the, the, the official grand opening weekend of the Stan Comedy Club. So, um, very, very early in the morning, Saturday, September 22nd, 2012, and you guys are listening to episode number 78, the year I was born, 1978, 33 years old, and um, I got a lot of cool shit to talk about on the podcast here. Okay, um, and I know I say that about a lot of podcasts, and I know some podcasts are good, some are decent, some suck, and some are phenomenal. I think this one's going to be leaning towards, like, like really good. Like, this one's going to be close to great, I think, or it could be fucking phenomenal. Who knows? Who knows where, where we'll go? We don't have any guests today. Uh, thanks to my guest last week, uh, Sean Quinn, making his second appearance on there. Check him out. I got to talk that asshole into getting some shit going for uh, on the internet, but uh, we had a good time. So I'm going to get right into where I left off. Um, Joe Matarese, comedian Joe Matarese, some of you guys know him from Chelsea Lately, he does a, a podcast, Fixing Joe. I've been, uh, you know, I've co-hosted on his show before, I've been on his show plenty of times, he's been on my show a couple of times. He thinks that I should always tell stories about my flying experiences because he thinks my flying experiences are hilarious and how hilarious I describe them because uh, for you people that don't know, um, I don't like to fly and, and I've talked about it many times, it's hard for me to fly. Um, and you would never know it, so I resort to pills, I resort to drinking, you know, we talked about it, um, many, many times on this podcast now, um, but to get over my fear, I fucking thought of the, you know, I thought of, like, learning about all the planes, so I know all the models, like, it has 717, smooth, you know, certain, ha- which planes take off smoother, like, I kind of, I kind of have all this fucking weird nerdy shit about planes, because I'm fascinated by it. Now, had something happen to me on this trip, coming back home. The ironic thing is I switched flights to be home sooner. So here's what goes here here's what went down. Okay. I was supposed to fly home from Las Vegas on Monday. By the way, I finally I just want to shout out the last show Sunday was great. Uh, the Vegas trip, the Vegas experience. Um, you know, hopefully if you're a comedian listening to this, uh, you work out in Vegas for a week and you just see how cool, relaxing, nice chill by the pool, get some drinks, but just chill out and enjoy the weather. It was awesome. MGM Grand, shout out to Brad Garrett's Comedy Club and everybody there, the staff, everybody, just those guys, everybody was amazing to me. And uh, I really had um, a great week out there. So I'm supposed to fly home Monday. I fucked up my flight, okay? First of all, I flew JetBlue on the way there from New York, and I thought I was flying Virgin America on the way back. Those are pretty much the two airlines I use when I go to the West Coast. So I call up Virgin America because they didn't send me a reminder. I'm like, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, I just want to find out what flight. Virgin America tells me, you're not on a flight. And I'm like, yeah, I am. Just fucking check check the 17th. I'm on a flight. No, you're not on a flight. So I'm like, shit, man, did I book it with JetBlue? So I knew I booked JetBlue on the way out there. I didn't know if I fucking booked JetBlue on the way back. So I called JetBlue. JetBlue's like, nah. So I'm like, what? I'm like, where's my... I, I definitely booked it. I remember booking it. I remember the money. You know, I have a confirmation somewhere. Come to find out, I booked Delta. All right? 
Last time I flew Delta, it was delayed. I had to check my fucking bag, and it was a nightmare. I realized, I guess the only way that I did this, the way that I did it, times I wanted to fly, you know, I like flying at night. Um, I ended up getting a Delta flight. So I look at the confirmation email, and I find out I'm not flying back till 11.25 p.m. Monday. Okay, I got to check out of this suite by probably, what, the latest, even if they give me a late checkout, 2 o'clock. So what am I going to do for nine hours? There's no show. I mean, I could leave my bags downstairs and chill out, go to the show for free, relax, then take a cab. I could do that, but I don't want to be walking around Vegas, especially with a lot of money in my pocket because I just got paid, you know. That's all I need to do is go by the craps table and say to myself, hey, you know what, I'll just take out 100, then lose 100. I'll take out a couple more 100. I'll try to get it all back. Nah, fuck that. I can't do that, you know. I'm not going to go out there and lose. I can't do that. I'm not leaving my fucking family and, and, you know, and going out there to work to make no money, so... I call up Delta, and I'm like, look, man, what's it going to cost for me to change flights? I want to get out of here tonight. And they're like, well, when do you have to leave? I go, I got a show tonight at 8 o'clock. I'd like to take a red eye back to JFK tonight. So they're like, ah, we could get you on a plane at 11.25. And I was like, great, let's do that. And they were like, all right, well, it's going to be $150. It's going to be $150, like, I guess, cancellation fee, which I was cool with. You know, my bad. You know, I'm the one canceling last minute. Like, but then we got to pay for the difference of the flight. The difference of the first flight, it's going to come out to about $570. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why do you have a penalty for 150 and then you get fucked? They're like, oh, the reason why we have that is because you took JetBlue on the way here. You didn't take us round trip. If it was round trip, if you took Delta round trip, I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm flying you guys back home to New York, Okay. I'm taking your airline back home. And quite frankly, I wasn't happy with what happened last time. So I call up a supervisor, pissed. I'm like, you know, son, I started talking shit too. I was like, yeah, I saw the cockpit too much too. And he's like, well, I was like, I saw the cockpit too much. I don't want to see that shit. The pilots keep coming out. They leave the door open. They're supposed to open the door and close it real quick. It's not comforting for me. And even in the survey that I filled out, which is true, I said I saw the cockpit too much. I don't want to see that shit. When somebody comes out of the cockpit to go to the bathroom, they should close the door real quick. All right? I don't need to see that shit. Too many, too many things. I've seen too many movies, too much shit, 9-11 and all that. And I was like, not to mention, you guys delayed the flight, and I had to check my bag last minute, take it off the fucking plane. So is there anything you could do? He's like, well, if you read the agreement, and he was right. I didn't read the agreement thoroughly. I didn't know that. But I'm using your airline after a bad experience, which I did give a survey on, uh, okay? And I'm willing to pay the 150 So the guy was cool. I didn't make that much of a stink about it because he was cool. So I paid the extra 150 and I changed my plane to 11.25 p.m. Sunday night, which is the last night of shows. I had an 8 o'clock show. By the time I got out of there, got paid, did everything I needed to do, check out of the hotel, get all that shit done, it would be about 10 o'clock, so, and the airport's 10 minutes away, so it worked out perfectly. My buddy Sean was driving back to LA, so Quinn drops me to the airport before he drives to Los Angeles. I get there around 10 o'clock, I'm through security, and I got about a half hour, 40 minutes, and boom, I'm there, I'm waiting for the flight. Airport's packed, and... This girl, I guess she was like a Maxim model, was like, uh, you know, talking to the Delta people. And then I see this guy who I thought was gay, like walking up, talking, dressed real gay. He had like a, like a tank top on and a fucking cowboy hat. But he starts talking to this girl. But he was like dancing. He was drunk and he was with a buddy. And I don't know, dude. I don't know if these dudes were bisexual or whatever, but it seemed a little weird. And they were really loud and talking. And it was like, you could tell you're just like, holy shit, man. These guys are just loud. And this is just, and me and this one kid. 
this other dude who had headphones on kind of looked at the guy dancing kind of like, you know, weird. And we looked at each other and, uh, you know, we started smiling and the kid just kind of gave me a smile and, 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 and I just smiled and we just shook our heads like, oh God, you know, the guy's drunk. He's talking to this girl and everything. So they're talking about all this Vegas gossip and shit. You just hear all this talking like, oh my God. And you were at that club. Yeah, we did that club and we did this. And I'm just sitting there I'm going, ugh. So, um, I'm sitting in the back of the plane. I always get a window seat so I could sleep. And I don't like to fly, so I pop in a Xanax, and I start to mellow out a little bit. And I'm in the back of the plane. The plane's filling up. And I see the kid with the cowboy hat at the front of the plane after the plane, and I'm like, man, please don't be sitting next to me, dude. Come on, man. Him and his buddy, please don't be sitting next to me. Please don't be sitting next to me. Guess what, folks? Well, his buddy sat next to me, and then he sat next to his buddy. And... um. The dude was actually cool, you know, and they were talking about girls and stuff. I don't even know. It's just the way he was dancing with the cowboy hat. But his buddy was cool, you know, talked real quick and, and, you know, just whatever. And then the cabin lights go down. You take off. So we take off. We're first in line for takeoff and shit. I know it's hilarious how I tell you you're first in line for takeoff, but I remember every detail of everything. So I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and the Xanax is sort of kicking in and my head is to the side of the plane, and I'm just, I'm trying to watch the end of the highlights of the uh, football game, they had the highlights of the Patriot game, and um, I'm just laying down, plane takes off, we get up in the air, we start coasting, everything is good, start to nod off, everybody on the plane falls asleep, I swear to God, the red eye is like, you know what the red eye is, the red eye is like, when you put a baby in the car seat, you just drive at night for a half hour and you look at them and it looks like they took fucking 15 volume. Uh, you know, they just got the mouth open. They just look like they're in a fucking coma. Like, that's what happens to adults on the red eye. Like, they're up there. Everything's good, especially from Vegas. Just conked out. Just a bunch of big fucking overgrown kids who just had a vacation or whatever sleeping. And I'm kind of nodding in and out. And right when I started to get comfortable, about 35, 40 minutes into this flight, all right? There's like a little commotion and shit, and and like people are kind of walking up and down, concerned the the flight attendants, and like I didn't think anything with the plane because the plane seemed fine, everything seemed seemed cool with the airplane. You know, I'm looking out the window and shit, looking at the wings, making sure that I don't see a fire. Um, and I uh, <laughs> I I look and I I kind of notice that there's something going on at the front of the plane, and the cabin lights go on. So now it went from dark to all the cabin lights going on. Some people woke up from it. Other people just stayed sleeping. The people next to me, the two dudes next to me, stayed sleeping. And um, all of a sudden, they get on the fuck. They get on the mic. You know, the PA. So whatever you want to say it. And he goes, um, "Ladies and gentlemen, is there a doctor on board?" And I'm like, "You got to be shitting me, man! Like this is straight out of a movie. Is there a doctor on board?" So some, you know, short, you know, uh, gray, white haired, probably Jewish dude from first class walks walks out and he's like, talking to somebody. I see him looking at somebody and then people start to like look and poke their head up. We're like, all right, you know, plane's still going like another 20 minutes or like 15 minutes plane's still going. But now more shit's going on. Then you got the flight attendants like almost running up and down and they're getting medical shit and they're getting medical kits. And then you see everybody looking down. Then I see an IV come out. They actually hung the IV in the, like where the overhead compartment latches down and closes, they hung the IV on that little lip there, and um, they had an IV. And then all of a sudden, sure enough, they got and he goes, "Ah, oh, folks, we got. Uh, unfortunately, we have to make an emergency landing. We have some people that are sick here. We have to make a. We have to make a, a, a landing now. We have to land immediately. These people uh, need immediate medical attention." 
And um, now we're headed to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it's like fucking one in the morning. I'm like, holy shit, right? This sucks. Now I'm like, are we going to have to get off the plane? Are we going to sit there? It's late. And um, apparently it was multiple people. Okay? So this plane descends. And when he descends, he like descended to get down. Like he didn't, this wasn't like, you know, when you're flying and like you gradually go down. Like at one point, this dude was just flying through the clouds. Like you just heard like, like it was like, holy shit. Like it was like a video game too. Like the, the, the cabins like shaking. And I'm just like, I need this shit now. I changed fucking planes for this shit. And I'm like, this is karma. This is me not paying the extra money that I probably should have paid. This is bullshit. I can't believe this. He's just coming down fast. I'm like, man, this is like, this sucks. So we get down, we start getting low. And then we I start to see the ground. He's turning, he's turning. I, and then I actually saw the airport where we were going to be landing because it was nighttime. Um, and I'm like a flying nerd. So I try to see everything. And... We land on the plane, and we get there as emergency vehicles. You could see, like, as we're coming down, you see, like, this fire. It was like a movie, man. And, you know, and apparently what happened was it was three women, I think, or there were three people, and two of them, actually, the pilot was like, listen, two of them are going to the hospital. They're in stable condition. One of them was just wanted to be a part of it, one of the flight attendants thought, and said it was anxiety. But, you know, who knows? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it was for attention. Maybe it wasn't. I, I don't fucking know, you know. Um, try to get attention for girls back in the day, you know, not on a fucking airplane. Like, you know, you try to get some, you know, try to get attention. You're trying to get laid and shit. Not not when you're fucking trying to fly to JFK from Vegas. So that was annoying. We wait and the captain's like, listen, I'm going to be walking up and down the aisle if anybody's got questions. And, and I'm just sitting there. And the kid next to me is like, are you fucking kidding me? Anxiety? Man, the fuck up. It was kind of funny dude, man. And, uh, you know, he's like, I don't mean to sound heartless, but if I got to fucking work tomorrow. And I'm just sitting there hoping this thing, you know, goes, uh, you know, as fast as possible. And the pilot also said, listen, we can't leave here until all of the medical supplies we used get replenished on the airplane. Like the oxygen, we have to have enough shit to take back off. We have to have enough things in the airplane in order to, to fly back. So they is like, you know, we're waiting for that. Have to do some paperwork. Probably going to be here 45 minutes for an hour. Uh, 45 minutes to an hour. I'll walk up and down the aisle if anybody's got questions. So this one lady was like, you know, are we all going to get sick? I got my baby on the plane. He's like, oh, that's a great question. But no, this is like we think they were together. They did something, whether it was drinking or eating. We think they drank too much, whatever. So then he gets on the P, whatever, the, the you know, he, he makes the announcement on the microphone there to the plane. And he says... um, Somebody had a good question about is this going to, you know, affect is this going to affect other people on the plane? Is it, you know, we didn't serve food. We, you know, we're pretty we're pretty confident that it was like kind of just what they did in Vegas. So that made everybody feel better. And then sure enough, he gets on the um he gets back in the cockpit. We wait. He's like, "All right, we're 5 minutes away. They're doing paperwork." And then we make our way back to the runway and he goes, "All right, folks, once again, we're we're first in line." And um and then he wanted to get out of there quick. Because you got to understand something. These guys get judged and they get paid on on timing. Now, I don't know if a medical situation, like, if gets accounted for. But I'll tell you what. He took off fast and, like, we were low. Like, you know when a plane takes off and gets real high and then does the turn? This dude, this dude, like, came up and it was just, like, you know, he, he started to turn, like, early. Like, he just wanted to get where we were going. And so... I get to JFK, and I didn't have a car at this time. I didn't have nothing. 
I normally call a car service, but I was spending so much money, and I'm like, you know something, I'm just not going to give, I just spent money, I'm not going to give another $125 to get up to Westchester for a car service, I was like, fuck it, it's early in the morning, um, I'll do something I haven't done in a long time, I'll take public transportation, so I took a bus, which was a pleasure, I took this nice little bus to Grand Central Station, and then at Grand Central Station, I got something to eat, I had a nice meal, it was early, I was exhausted, had an, oh, I popped another half of Xanax on the plane ride, on the plane ride after Albuquerque, just to fucking calm myself down. And then I um, ate, and I got on the train, and I was so tired, and everything from the night before hit me: the show, the flying, the the delay, the the extra flight, basically all that stuff. So I get on the train from Grand Central Station to Mount Kisco, which is supposed to take like a little under an hour. And I literally put my head on the side of the glass on the train, and I woke up. And it felt like five seconds. It was like anesthesia. I woke up and I look up and it's in Mount Kisco where I live on the thing. And it was 30 seconds away. I would have missed the train. So I get off. I hop in a cab real quick right to my house. And I get there and um, that was it. I get home and I just had to take a nap. It was a long day. But that was my, that was my, all because I changed my flight. Here's what I could have did. Okay. This is what kind of a dick I am. I could have in, instead of having to worry about coming home and rushing and, you know, the kids and everything like that because I would have had to deal with that early in the morning the next day. I could have stayed in Vegas. And don't get me wrong, I missed my my family, but in the morning my wife was going to work and my son was at daycare, so it, it didn't matter. And I had somebody watching my daughter. So I could have checked my bags, got in my bathing suit, went to the pool for fucking four or five hours, just sitting there drinking, chilling out, relaxing. Go to the comedy show for free, all that stuff. Then go get my bags and take a cab to the airport and be there the next day. But no, I had to rush out of there, being the good guy. I missed my family. I wanted to be with my family, and I, and that's what happened. But it's all right. It's all right. So that was that's what happened there, and then I just chilled home for a couple of days. Now, I got to talk to you guys about... Um, I, think, I think real comedy fans and comedians are going to really like this part of the... Um, like this part of the podcast and if you didn't like the flight story i'm sorry that's just what happened it was nuts and uh fuck off because you know flying is just a fucking nutty thing anyway so um thursday night okay thursday night uh i guess the day and a half ago uh, i was uh asked to do they were doing a uh, the stand the new comedy club that I've been talking about, the newest club in New York City, the one that my representation owns now, they were having a press night. And the press night was going to just be, you know, they just had a ton of media. They had TV networks. They had all kinds of papers and blogs and all kinds of writers and all this stuff there. It was just photographers everywhere, all press. Really great move. And, you know, they, they had free drinks and there was a, um, unbelievable food and shit. And they called me up and they were like, yeah, why don't you come down? We'll probably get your spot tonight. Then they call me and they were like, dude, actually, we need you at 845. We need you. So we're, we're putting you in a spot. You know, you're getting up tonight. And I get there and the lineup's insane. The lineup is just veterans doing it like 10 years longer than me. Artie Lang, um, you know, Lynn Coplitz and then the Judah Friedlander and um, Big J and... Um, and Todd, uh, there were rumors that Todd Barry or something, Dane Cook's going to come in or whatever. So I get there, and the show's about to start, and they go, oh, Paul, uh, you, you're going to follow Artie, Artie Lang. Uh, for you people that don't know, I mean, I'm sure you guys do know Artie Lang from the Howard Stern Show. Uh, 
Um, now he does uh, the show Nick and Artie on DirecTV, a sports radio show. And, you know, I mean, I've heard opening for Artie can definitely be be difficult, you know, so who knows about following him. But so Lynn goes on stage and she's, uh, the place is packed, standing room only, and she's trying to calm the place down. It was kind of loud, noisy, had to calm the place down. And Artie goes on stage, place goes nuts, and he's doing his jokes and everything's kind of hitting. And I'm waiting to go on. And before she brought, she goes, I'm bringing you right up. So I go, all right, cool. You know, so I'm standing there and, you know, I just had did a, a, a crazy run in Vegas. So I was good. I was like, yeah, I'll open with this. You know, it'll be good. But I noticed the room was kind of chaotic. So Artie goes up there and he's doing his jokes. And they're listening. He's listening. And at the end of his set, he kind of puts that rock and roll, you know, that rock and roll with your fingers where you kind of make the, you know, your index finger and your pinkies are up. You know, that rock and roll shit sign with his hands. And he does that and he goes, I'm still around, motherfuckers. And the place goes nuts, right? Nuts. To the point where, no bullshit, the right side of the room all stood up as he walked off stage. I shook his hand, you know, said good set, whatever. And they just start chanting, Artie, Artie, Artie. And at this point, Chris Italia comes out and he just pats me on the shoulder and he goes, It'll be all right, Verz. You'll be all right. <laughs> and I go, and me, being the fucking competitive, stubborn, I'm like, yeah, I know. Fuck that. I know. I'm going to go up there. So Lynn goes back on stage, and she starts calming people down. She's like, we got a great lineup. And one thing I already said, it was a great lineup tonight. You guys are going to see a bunch of great comedians. It's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. And she goes up, and she calms the people on the right side down. And she brings me on stage. And I, uh, I grabbed the microphone. And, you know, I thanked, you know, I thanked, you know, the, you know, for your host and everything like that. And how about the stand and, you know, everything, the club. And and then I just go into, hey, you know, I, you know, I just go into some shit. I started talking about how I just came in off the road and I was in Vegas and it was tough because I wasn't really drinking or doing anything in Vegas. And there's like commotion to the right. And I, I realize, like, oh, man, this is going to be a fucking fight, man. It's going to be tough. And first joke, barely anything, nothing right, second joke, I had to kind of bail out of the first part, because it was so loud to the right side of the stage, so I, I looked to the right, I calmed them down, but I bailed out of the joke, because I felt like the first part of the joke didn't get enough, and I thought in my mind, the second part of the joke, okay, so I was basically a quarterback scrambling, that's what I was doing, okay, I was running, I had fucking linebackers up my ass, like every, the play broke the fuck up, Okay, and that it with this one particular bit. So now I bail out of the bit because I'm like, if the front really didn't work, if, if the beginning of the joke didn't work, I don't think if the payoff doesn't, then it's going to look like the joke just flopped and that's going to put me in a bigger hole. So now I go into the next joke, okay, and I kind of bailed out of that halfway because that was, uh, but I knew I needed to get somewhere. Now, granted, I was only having, I was having a short set. This was a short set, so I needed to go. So now I'm like three jokes in and I'm eating a dick. I'm eating a fucking dick sandwich and does not taste good, right? And I'm going, oh, you got to be shitting me tonight of all times tonight. And then I I don't know. And then I just, I let my instincts or, or whatever. I was like, I got I to gotta salvage something here. I can't just fucking flat out. So then what I did was I started to just go into some shit that made me mad, some shit that was real in my life. And I slowly started to win the crowd, slowly. 
And then I saw people in places in the room that weren't paying attention. Now they're paying attention and now they're laughing. And now I'm looking at them and I start to fucking really project, you know, not yelling or screaming, but I started to project what I was saying with the conviction and the real shit. And I started to make the room slowly. I'm looking at each piece of the room and I start to slowly start to gain some laughs. And then I do a joke. Yeah, I did a joke that got a laugh. The whole room laughed. And that kind of was like, all right, we'll listen to the next one. And that started to get real. And I started to get angry. And I started to talk about shit that I was unhappy about in my life. And and then slowly they started to come around. And what sucked was I got the light right when I started to, you know, start to do well and get some laughs and, and salvage the set. And then I stayed up a little longer than I should have just to kind of, you know, save it. So... And I did, and it was fine, and I got off, and they all clapped, and it was all right. But I, you know, it was definitely um, not a set that I, I have much fun with. I would say, out of the time I was up there, I might have had fun for like two minutes. Fortunately, it was later in the set, which means I started to get them, and I started to. But it was definitely not easy. Um, and and I, you know what? A lot of people were like, "Ah, dude, what are you crazy? You follow? You had to follow that? You know?" They apologized. Sorry for putting that situation. Somebody had to do it. And I'm like, "No, you know, like fuck that. I don't like that whole. Oh well." you know, somebody had to do it mentality or like, oh, you follow that person. So that happens. Like, I want to be able to go on stage after anybody. And, um, you know, it was just, it was definitely a different type of night because there were so many people standing room only in this tiny. And when I say so many people, I mean, the room can only fit, fit 80 or 90, but like, this was like hundred, like there was definitely people standing in there and stuff. So I get off and then, um, oh, Neil Brennan was on the show and then Dane Cook was on the show, and, um, you know, it was nice, people were nice, and you know, saying good job, and, you know, it, it was, it was definitely a night where, as a comedian, I had to, I had to work, and I had to earn it, but at the same time, it was a great learning experience, because it let me know what I should have done, okay, but I was in a tricky situation, because Artie fans are diehard, and I, I, I could have addressed it I was going to say, yeah, it's always great to get on stage after the crowd stands up chanting someone else's name, um, you know, something like that. But I had a short set. I didn't want to be disrespectful, but looking back on it, I probably should have done that. Um, this is just trying to give you guys the realest shit about this, so I hope you're enjoying this. I know there's some comedian going, this is fucking awesome, and that's I'm doing this shit for you guys. Uh, and also the real fans of comedy. Not that I don't want you guys to think this is cool, but like I know that if I was a comedian listening to this, I'd be like, holy shit. But it was definitely intense, man. You know, I've been in some in, I've been in some intense fucking moments. You know, and and just when the crowd loves somebody else so much more and you get up there, but they were respectful and they let me get to where I needed to get to. And when I got there, I got them. And I, and I, and I definitely did that. And it's always going to be worse in a comedian's mind. And I know that. So I didn't leave really upset because I did salvage it. If I would have ended the way that I started, I would have fucking been so pissed off. I'd have been fucking devastated, not letting it go. You know, but the fact that you know, it was actually like I, I fought for it and got it and then had to get off stage. It was cool. And it was a cool experience because I had to do it after, you know, I, I know people, Joe Matarese opened for Artie Lang at Carnegie Hall, uh, the same way I opened for Bill Burr at Carnegie Hall and opening for Artie, man, they were chanting Artie's name and shit like while people were on stage. It's really tough. So he's got them diehard loyal fans. So that's what happened. But, um, afterwards it was really cool and people were like no i love what you did and you know some people definitely like remembered the set and said that i had a good set but for me i want to fucking destroy it you know um met some industry people um it was actually the first time that i met dane cook um you know just say yeah hey what's up man you know 
Um, and then, um, who else was there? It was just amazing. Like, um, Adrian, uh, Grenier from Entourage, he like loves the place. He keeps showing up to the club and he showed up there last night. And who else? Um, yeah, like people just pop in. I heard, uh, I heard Jimmy Fallon popped in cause you know, it's right around the corner from his house. So it's just a cool man. It's just a cool new spot in New York. And, um, you know, I had the Peking duck pizza tonight, which was so whatever unnecessary but cool um and uh, tonight i went in and it was just you know there wasn't it wasn't a private thing for for media and all this stuff so it was normal crowds and uh both were great had a great time worked out some new stuff tried some new stuff and 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 it was a great night so um you know obviously i'm tired it's a quarter to four in the morning here for episode 75 but um for any comedians listen out there all right um, if you're ever in a situation where, if you're ever in a situation where you have to, you know, go on after somebody that just has diehard fans, the, the, the thing to do is to, um, stay yourself and make like, let, let the show come to you, but also kind of address the moment and like, you know, and, and I've done that before, but this time was definitely a little tricky and different. Um, and I had to fight for the set, but Awesome learning experience. I still definitely got some laughs, and uh, it was a, a, to be a part of a lineup with Artie Lang and Dane Cook, um, you know, Jay Okerson, Neil Brennan, you know, it, to just be a part of just a, a really solid, solid lineup like that um, was was amazing, you know, with all those industry people and stuff. So, um, you know, it was definitely, it's definitely something that I will um, learn from and, and you know... I look at it like, I don't give a fuck who it is, man. I don't, like, no matter who it is and how good they do, you want to grab the microphone and you want to just make it about, you know, what you're going to do and bringing it to them. And that, that just takes a lot of time. So that was something I learned, you know. And and that those are the stories that I want to talk about on the podcast. I don't want, everything on the podcast should always be, oh, I fucking was amazing, I fucking killed, or, or this. No, man, I had a hard time. I had a hard time on a big night, you know. And um, I'm just proud I fought to get to, to salvage it and, and do a decent... Some people are like, oh, dude, you did fine, dude, you did a great job. I know the job I could do, okay? And all those comedians know, whoever's listening to this, if you know how you feel, comedians know how the fuck they feel. There is a feeling. It's like it's something in them. And they know when they get off stage if they did okay, if they bombed, if they destroyed, if they murdered, if they were the comic of the night. They know all that shit. They know. Um, unless, and some don't care. I mean, there are definitely nights you don't care for that. You want to just work and get some jokes in and stuff. But there are some times where, you know, you want to, you know, you, you know how you feel. And, and I, that was one where it was just like, all right, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely something that I had to work for. So, but then you got to make it, you know, comedian has got to be like a relief pitcher. You come in the next night, short memory. If, if it didn't go, you know, and I actually enjoyed it in a way, so it wasn't that bad, but it was definitely not the ideal night that I would have liked to have. And um, then tonight, tonight was great. You get on stage and you just fucking, you know, you're in it, you're doing it, and that's what happens. Great crowds. First show tonight wasn't huge, but really good. Second show was almost, you know, packed and it was really good. Um, I'm doing this new joke. I have this new joke idea and I really don't want to talk about it on the podcast because I don't want to, I know somebody can try to make it their own but it's it's pretty funny shit i wish i could just touch on it all right here's what i'll say i don't think anybody will 
we'll t- I'm working on this new joke about. I don't think you like. I, you might be able to find where I'm going with it, but I'm just gonna. I'll just tell you what the topic is. It's the 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 conjoint twins, the girls with like two heads and shit on TLC. I had to do something, and like there were just multiple punchlines that came, and and uh, you know the, it, it definitely went well. So I you know I definitely did that, and I also did a joke about how I'm racist. Certain moments of my life, I get racist, but they're in funny parts, and I'm not a racist person. You have to hear the joke, but so that made me feel good because when you could work out some new shit and get new shit out there, it was pretty cool. So that's what's been going on, and you know, if you're in New York City, you got to check this club out. I mean, you got you gotta you gotta just see you you could see fucking great comedy in such a small intimate setting and eat food that will knock your socks off i've said it many times come through the stand 20th third avenue and that's what uh, my weekend's been tomorrow night or is uh or tonight i guess i don't know tomorrow saturday night two more shows eight o'clock and ten thirty, and uh other great you know great lineups and then um and then that's it i'll do the plugs at the end of the show so what else is going on okay holy shit i got more shit to talk about and it's already 32 minutes in um, I got a cat situation here, guys. Okay. I, I got a cat situation. I've had these cats for eight years. My wife wants to get rid of them or do something because they're fucking nails. I don't want to get them to Claude because I think it's kind of mean, but I also don't want them to go to a shelter and get killed at eight years old when they're fucking cool. And I, I just don't know what to do. You know, I like my wife is so fed up to the point where it's like really pissing her off and affecting her and it's making her pissed at me and I'm like what the fuck so I'm calling these people and you know they want they want thousands of dollars to do this laser procedure that like is less painful it's so fucked up isn't it it's just so crazy to me that yeah you know what we could do the regular declawing which will save you hundreds of dollars or we could do a nice laser thing for the nails which doesn't hurt them as much they recover really quick they don't even know what happened but that's this much more it's like you fucking that's amazing to me it's like how about you get rid of the fucking mutilation one that sucks for the cat and you fucking get the laser for a normal price and you know it's like you don't they don't give a shit about the animal all these people, I'm telling you something, all these people that fucking love animals and ask for money are full of shit, okay? All these fucking fundraisers, it's for the fucking cats, it's for the cats, fuck you, it's not all for the cats, it's not all for the dogs, you fucking asshole, it's for you and your shitty fucking meals, you're bullshit, it's the same shit. Yeah, no, we love the animals, if you want to come down, just give anything you can, give anything you can. Bullshit. These fucking people love the animals so much. How about you petition outside? I know this sounds selfish because I just have this situation with the cats, which is funny. But, like, how about you say, don't fucking, you can't, I'm, you know, don't fucking declaw. If you have two ways to declaw a cat and one is fucking painful and one is a quick, easy laser, but you're just going to have both options and one's more expensive, it's fucking ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. That's why I'm not voting. I'm not voting this year. Fuck them all. I'm not voting. Fuck Romney. With fucking Barack Obama's big ear. That's what they should do. I want to see Barack Obama fuck Romney in his ass with his big fucking ears. And I'm just going to fucking laugh and tell him to go fuck themselves. Now I'm pissed. Alright, it's late. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I got fucking two cats. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with these fucking cats? Can't let them out. And then I want to say to the cat, dude, stop ripping the rug up because you're going to fucking be gone. And they look at me like, dude, I'm fucking hungry and we need more litter. And I'm like, I know, but you f- you're fucking it up for you. 
Okay, because she's going to open the fucking door and my cat's going to run out into the street. She's not going to literally do that, but she fucking joked about it and laughed. And I was like, holy shit, would you really do that? And by the way, by the way, I just have to say this, okay? And this may seem, um, you know, anti-woman. And it's it's really not trying to be anti-woman. I'm just being honest. A woman gives a shit about their house more than they'll be loyal to a fucking pet anytime. Anytime, Okay? Fucking Aunt Susie from 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 the middle of nowhere who nobody sees except once every five years comes home. The house has to be fucking spotless. Okay, God forbid she sees a, a glass on the counter. And we're never going to see this bitch again for another half a decade. But if it, if the cat's messing it up, we'll get rid of the cats that we had for eight fucking years. So Aunt Susie's asking, oh yeah, they had, a, they had an okay house, but there was a glass on the fuck. That's horseshit. Have some loyalty. Keep your damn pets. I really hope my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. You know? Oh, fuck it. It's on, folks. It's only 36 minutes and I'm pissed. I'm pissed. So buckle up because I'm going long. I'm going long and I'm going ranting. All right? You got two procedures you could do. They were like, yeah, well, it's $1,500 per cat for the laser. The other one we could do maybe for like, you know, seven or 800 You know, but they're going to have bandages and be puking with that one. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna have bandages and be puking and never forgive you and it's gonna be like we cut off their fucking paws with the first one or you could do the nice one the second one it's le- and the way she described it to me it was almost like she was happy they were giving me this choice the fu- the the vet she was like oh well, if you wanted to do it a little more um, a little more humane they actually said that if you want to do it a little more humane you could do it this way you offer it you stupid cunt. You offer it. Stop do stop doing the one that hurts them. And that's that's probably the same chick who goes to a bar at night drinking and goes, Yeah, I work with animals because I love them. You know, I just love them. I love them so much. Yeah, I love them so much. You know, if my boss wants to hack their paws off, he could do that shit, definitely. But I just love them. I love they're better than people. You know, because they're always there for you. And they're always like, they're just fr- how could you hate that? I fucking hate Mike Vick. I fucking hate Mike Vick. You know something? At least Mike Vick had the decency to fucking put the thing out of its misery instead of chop its fucking hands off. <laughs> oh, God. Stop this shit. If you love animals so much, okay, and and they're such a big part of your life and you're dedicating your life and everything is good, then how about you stop doing shit to them that can give you money if you know it hurts them? These are the same people... They, you shouldn't have other people protest it. They shouldn't do it. You shouldn't work in a doctor's office or a vet's office if you know that they're doing something that really hurts the cats when there's another option to. That's all I'm saying. If the regular declawing of the cat was only the one that kind of hurt them and there was bandages and it was painful, but if that was the only way to do it, if that, if that was the only fucking last salute, like the, the only way that you could fix the cats and, and it costs a lot of money, then fine. That's a decision that people have to make. But you have this laser that can do it and it cauterizes the nerve or whatever it does and it's easier you have that option for more money that is the most ass backwards fucked up thing ever it just doesn't make sense to me at all it's not like you're talking listen if you don't have enough money you got to eat a shitty meal i kind of get that it's like okay you got to earn some money if you want if you want to eat a good steak and potatoes meal that's fine all right you want to eat like a fat fucking glutton american and shit you've earned the money to do it that's fine if you don't you got to go to KFC and you got to do shit but this is, you're talking about pain you're talking about cutting shit off 
It's like you have two options. Give me a break. And this is not a selfish thing. Because to be honest with you, I don't even think I'm going to get my cat's nails cut. I really don't. I don't think I'm going to fucking do it. You know? They're, they're, they're eight years old. They had it. Like, I'll try something. Like, if, if, if the only option that I have that will keep these cats with me and alive is, is to, you know, do something, then I'll do something to keep them away from, from you know. I'm not going to have my cats in some strange... You know, and we didn't want cats. We wanted a dog. We couldn't have a dog. We got a cat. Then it wasn't a cat I would have picked. So I went to see if it was a cat I would have picked. I told the story. And then now we have two brothers, cats. They're big. Thomas and Stanley, they're the shit. They're like 20 pounds. They're exotic looking. They're awesome. And, and, and I've mentioned Stanley's like a dog, man. And, you know, they're ripping up the rug. It's driving my wife crazy. Every time one little thing on the rug, my wife freaks out. She's dwelling on it. She's pissed at me about it. And I'm sitting here with two fucking huge cats. And I don't want to cut their hands off. And and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What do you do? My wife's happiness is definitely important to me. Okay? Um... You know, whoever said happy wife, happy life wasn't bullshit, and I promise you that. I promise you that. Whoever the fuck said happy wife, happy life, that is as good a quote as fucking anything John Wood never came up with. Alright, that should be in Proverbs. That is fuck that is that is Solomon right there. It's that's epic. That it it is so true that if your wife is happy and things are are it's so much better. A miserable wife can fucking ruin everything. And I got these two cats that I got to feed and pick up their shit from a litter box and do all this fucking bullshit for for eight years. And now they're tearing up the house and we're showing the house with the real estate. So we got all new shit in the house. And now they're trying to rip that up and it's not flying. What do I do? You know... I don't fucking know. I'll do something. I'll do something. But I'm not I'm not going to... And I think I'm going to do too. I think I'm going to just call up. You know what? How great would this be if I just called up the vet's office? I just want to tell you guys something. Okay? You guys have two options to do one procedure. And one is horrible. And the other is more humane. And you charge that much more. Fuck you. You don't love animals. Look yourself in the mirror. You selfish, greedy cocksuckers. You're no different than any other company. You just work with animals and you think you're better. Go build a hut in Haiti, you fuckface, and then just hang up. That'll make me feel better. I want to get a dog, man. When I get a house, I'm going to get a dog. And, um... (laughs) I don't know. I was thinking about dogs. I think I want to get, like, a real... I don't know. Like, I don't want to get the typical family, like, Golden Retriever. Golden Retriever is boring. No offense if you got a golden shirt. I know they're great dogs. I know they're sweethearts and stuff, but it's almost too boring. Like they they look too family broken. Like they look too home broken. They're just too good. You know, I want something like I want something like a wolf looking like like a husky or something. I got a funny story about a dog. It's a true story. I'll tell you guys. I'm going into overtime here. Uh I'll just I'll go through this. I got a couple other things. And um I got an unacceptable for you for the week, so we'll, we'll get it going. But um, I think I should do this more. I think I think I should do the podcast more when I'm tired, because I think a lot of you guys would agree that I am. Uh, 
I'm on fire right now just yelling shit. When I mean fire, I don't mean like great. I mean I hope you think it's great, but I'm I'm definitely like I'm I'm pissed. I'm pissed about these cats cuz everything in my life would be good and I got to look at them just sitting there licking each other, jumping on each other and I just want to fucking wish I could grab one of their ears and go, "Stop ripping the rug. Don't you understand? Stop it." But then they would probably just put their ears back and hiss and be like, "Why is he screaming in my ear?" Um stupid fucking animals. <laughs> Uh, I got a story, a funny story about, about a, a dog, a buddy of mine growing up, uh, Mike Devino. Mike and I were like, um, we were just like, you, you know, the dudes in high school that like when you saw one, you saw the other, that, that was me and this dude, this dude, you know, this dude was my partner, man. We would always show up to parties or hang out, you know, our moms knew each other and, um, Mike, um, you know, was definitely a, you know, a good dude had, uh, I had to deal with shit in his life like we all did, but he was, uh, you know, a funny dude, man. He was just, he was just, you saw, like, it's like you saw Verzi, you saw Davino, uh, you know, in high school. And unfortunately, you know, we lost touch, but life happens. You know, he's got kids, he's got a family, you know, I'm down here, you know, he's got a job up there. I got, you know, a comedy career and I'm, I'm doing, but you know, it's all, if we see each other, hey, what's going on? You know, it's all, you know, whatever. It's all good. But he had an Akita. He had an Akita named Angel. And I never forget this. We were in his, we were in his house, and his mom had him doing shit. And he had to do something. He goes, "Oh, dude, Verzi, man, you mind? Can you just walk Angel for me, real quick? You know, my mom wants me to walk her, but I gotta do this, and it, you know, we'll save time. If you walk the dog, I'll do what I had to do, and then we could go leave. And we were going to look to do some, get into some mischief, whatever we were gonna do. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I walk the dog. So he gives me the thing. He's like, oh, you know, make sure you hold it. It was one of those things where, like, the the the, the extension on the uh, the leash comes out and you lock it and whatever. So I'm walking, I'm walking Angel outside of the townhouse, and this lady comes by with like this little Maltese or little fucking Yorkie, whatever it was. And Angel, beautiful looking dog, who just looks at this thing and just fucking. <laughs> Just launches at this thing, like, woo, 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 woo. and I swear to God, Angel latched on to this fucking dog, <laughs> and the fucking lady's going, "Oh my God, my baby!" And Angel picked this fucking little dog up like it was a sneaker, <laughs> just fucking, oh my God! And finally, like I'm pulling, I'm pulling, and she let the dog down. Lay screw, oh my baby! And it was fucking nuts. Uh. And I remember, and he was just, he comes out, he's like, oh, is everything cool? And I'm like, yo, dude, your fucking dog <laughs> almost just fucking ate that dog. <laughs> he was like, what? And it was all cool afterwards, and we had, a, we had a laugh about it. But just seeing, like, what this thing could, this dog picked this fucking dog up. And this, it was like a movie, and the lady's going, oh, my bad. And I'm going, fuck, they asked me to walk the dog, and they showed me the leash. And this fucking thing almost ate it. But uh, it was really funny afterwards. And um, shout out, man to uh to mike if if you if you listen to this i I hope you enjoyed that but i remember it and if i get a dog i want to get a dog like that you know i want to get a dog like a like an akito or a husky or i just want to get something like with that wolfy type like just something really cool you know light eyes um i don't know i just like those snow dogs i think you know i want to get something really cool and unique looking we wanted to get a bulldog but they're not healthy so and we're gonna have to wait but i can't even talk about a dog yet um or what we're gonna get until i fix this fucking cat situation which my wife is driving me nuts with so if any of you guys have any suggestions of what to do uh let me know we put the oh by the way we did we put the caps on there so if anyone's gonna say oh no you could put those caps on 
you could put that we did. We got the glue and we put the caps on, and it's definitely helping. But they're they're starting to find out how to get them off, and they're starting to scratch the shit. So I don't know if that's gonna work. But if if there's anything else, or you know, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody said an electric fence for cats. Maybe we're gonna get that electric fence for the front of the steps, and maybe we can do that. But after eight years of this shit, I gotta make a move with this, and this is the last thing I need on my plate right now. All right, let's get into some football. My boy, Easy e Eli Manning, this guy is, for all of you people, and there's a lot of you, don't even act for one second like, oh, you knew the whole time. You wrote him off. He is better than your quarterback. I'm telling you right now, he is better than your quarterback. He's better than Mike Vick. He's better than Phillip Rivers. He is better. The only quarterbacks that I think are, are better than Eli Manning. And I can't even say that because of the fourth quarter. But, I mean, I'd have to give you Rodgers. I'd have to give you Breeze. I'd have to give you Brady. Uh, right now, I think Eli's better than Peyton right now. Um, Roethlisberger's right up there with them. It's really close. I think Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, if you compare them, I think it's really close. I just think Eli in the bigger moment, man. I just think Eli's better. I mean, Eli's two MVPs for the Super Bowl. Roethlisberger really didn't play that well in the first Super Bowl. So uh, I give it to them. Giants, I got to be honest, I, I had a bad feeling with uh, going into Carolina with all of the injuries and stuff. I thought it could be a close game, but Carolina sneaks it out. Um, I didn't like the Giants in the game to bet them. I didn't. Um, but they just, um, you know, Giants, Giants could roll, man. The Giants are one of those teams where if the backups play good and Eli plays good, they could rattle off seven, eight wins. Uh, definitely see them as a playoff team psyched with that. Speaking of this game against the Carolina Panthers, is Cam Newton serious? He's talking to himself in the third person. He's acting like he's sleeping in the thing. He's acting, it's like, come on, dude, you're in, you're a second year. You're such a dick. You're such a dick. Just stop. I heard he's charging people for autographs. It's just stop, man. Don't these fucking guys get it? Just stop. Put a smile on your face. Answer the right. Hasn't anybody learned anything from Derek Jeter? Has anybody learned anything from Derek Jeter? The greatest fucking post-game interview. The greatest the greatest everything off the field, on the field. What, he just passed Willie Mays. He just tied Lou Gehrig for 200 hit season. I mean, it's unbelievable what this guy's doing. This guy's fucking every hot girl in the fucking world. He's not getting caught doing anything. No steroids, no drug use, nothing. Keeps his mouth shut, answers the right questions, treats the media with respect. Hasn't anybody learned that's how you do it? These fucking guys can't shut up. They say the stupidest things. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely the silliest thing for a second-year player to be acting like he's closing his eyes and sleeping and doesn't care and says this and refers to them in the, in the, in the third place. It's so stupid. I swear to God, it's so dumb, man. It's just, and it's getting old. It's just getting old. Stop with your stupid thing. Remember Clinton Portis putting stupid outfits on? I mean, I, I know that that was like kind of funny, but just stop already. Stop with your rapping and the thing. Stop with your like trying to stop with your breakdowns and your meltdowns. It's a fucking game. Just say, yeah, you know what? We got to play better. We got to do this. Give them what they want, and you get out of there earlier. It's, it's just like you want to beat the system. Just play the game. 
And, and, and this kid is going to start building a reputation with the media. Then he's going to get defiant. And then he's going to say, I'm not talking to the media anymore. It's stupid. It's the same thing. Randy Moss, that time, I'm not talking to the media the rest of the year. And he would take fines for it. But the reason why he did is because he just is, I swear to God, I don't know what it is about me and athletes that I like, but they all turn into fucking head cases. And I think I like them because there's so much fucking talent there. But, like, you know the way if somebody's really smart and they're like a genius, the, the payoff is that they're, you know, you know they're, they're socially awkward or they're fucked up. It's the same thing with athletes. Athletes have this unbelievable just sense of everything as far as athletically. They know when to run. They know when to they make the right play. They make a spectacular. You're just like, oh, my God, that is just God-given ability. And then they talk, and they just get fined. Well, I do this, and I can do that, and fuck you, and, and I'll pay the fine, and you guys just want to bury me. It's just so ridiculous. Cam Newton, man, cut the shit. Stop it. Stephen A. Smith, man, I hope Stephen A. Smith comes into the comedy clubs in New York City, that, or comes into the comedy club that, at the stand, because he knows my manager, man, and that dude is, I think Stephen A. Smith, although he could be annoying sometimes, I know people think that that dude is so good at what he does, man, he's so good, he nailed the job, he nailed the job, because the job isn't just sports knowledge, the job is having something, he's got like his own shtick, you know, he's got something that makes you like, you know, just, it's flat out ridiculous. Let's be honest. It's an embarrassment, okay? And let me tell you something. He just fucking shits on people. It's awesome. But, you know, the Cam Newton thing, it just has to stop, man, because it, well, I mean, it's just so silly. New York Giants, baby. Two and one. Gonna go on a run. The Philadelphia game's gonna be a tough one. Philadelphia game is going to be a tough one because it's in Philly. I think if it was in New York, I'd like... But there's something about the Eagles, man. The Eagles just play the Giants well. The Eagles just play the Giants well the way the Giants play the Patriots well, the way the Chargers used to play the Colts well. There's just certain games that are tough, and the Eagles just find a way to beat us. And then they find a way to not be in the playoffs, and we find a way to be in the Super Bowl. Fuck off, Eagle fans. I had to say that. All right, that's it for sports. The Yankees are in a tight race. Baseball's looking great, but I, I just, I don't know. I'll probably watch in the playoffs and get into it again. I hope so. No movies, guys, but I'm going to watch Lawless. I'm going to watch, um, there's a bunch of movies that I'm going to watch. Um, that other movie coming out, I heard there's another good horror movie. I'm, there, there's like four movies that I want to see out now, so I'm going to do that. Okay, unacceptable for the week. Delta Airlines, after we had an emergency landing for people to get medical attention and they took back off, do you think they offered any kind of, um, you know, people missed work, people were supposed to be at work at 9 o'clock, we were supposed to land at JFK at 20 after 7, we landed after 9 o'clock because of the delay, which means people's jobs got fucked up, do you think they did anything for us? Do you think they gave any kind of refunds? No. You know what they did? Hey, guys, I uh, just want to let you know, uh, because of the inconvenience, uh, we uh, enabled the movies. We enabled the movies for you, so uh, enjoy. Are you shitting me? You enabled a two-hour piece of shit movie on a fucking two-inch two screen? And that's my payback. I just sat in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I had to shit my pants landing again and then shit my pants taking off, okay? I had to pop another fucking Xanax in because I, I was so uncomfortable, tired. I got this dude, I got the fucking people next to me and shit. There's sick people on the plane. And you're not going to give me maybe, what, $200 off my next ticket or something like that or, you know, a one-way somewhere if I use it within the next six months. Something from the airline. Something. You're going to make me say, oh, yeah, you know, I could, what? I could watch the fucking Avengers on a two-inch screen 
for for two hours it, when you know nobody gives a shit about a movie at two o'clock in the morning when they're exhausted, ridiculous, unacceptable for the week. That's it, folks. That's episode seventy-eight. A little bit of fire there for you. I gave you an extra ten minutes on this one. If your local vet, if your local vet says to you that they have two procedures and one is more humane for more money, tell them to fuck off. Okay. Plugs for the week. Real quick. This will be up. I don't know if this will be up in time. I will be at the stand in New York City tomorrow night on the 8 o'clock and 10.30 show. New York City, 20th and 3rd. I will also be at the stand in New York City Monday the 24th at 8 o'clock. And then the next weekend, the 27th or 29th, I'll be opening for Bill Burr at um, the uh, Comedy Zone in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, that's what I got right now. Any other New York City dates I will post. The new paulverzi.com website is uh, probably two days away from being up, putting that all together, doing it myself, not relying on anybody. You will have the new website up soon, and uh, that's it. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This was episode uh, 78. Sorry if you had kids around listening. I know that I got mad a lot. I know that I cursed a lot, but you know something? It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and I got to do something with these cats. Because it's affecting my life. Thank you, everybody. You guys are the shit, man. Please keep the comments coming, and please keep the, um, you know, the 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 spreading, you know, spreading the word of the uh, TVE podcast. I really appreciate it, man. And um, like I said, the numbers keep going up, but I want to get this thing. And the more comments, I want to get in the top 100 of iTunes. So please keep doing that. And um, that's it. So I have a guest on soon. I'll have another guest on soon. I don't know when. Um, And we'll go from there. But I will keep you updated. And the next podcast will be from... Yeah, the next podcast will be from Jacksonville, Florida. So I'll let you guys know about that. And uh, that's it. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your life. Enjoy everything, man. Just just fucking... just, Just don't get cats, I guess. I don't know. Take care.